children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children Welcome to Children's Bible Journey, with stories and songs just for kids. We have a dramatized Bible story coming up, but let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome God. Words are very powerful. They can either build us up or tear us down. Every day, we can encourage others with words like, You're special. Good job. Or keep trying. You're going to make it. From 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up. Build each other up. Build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up. Up, 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 Now, just like encouraging words build us up, Discouraging words tear us down. So another way of singing this song would be like this.
about Jesus sure makes your heart feel happy. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible and Living Sound. What does it all mean, Daniel? An image made of different metals and a stone of magic that knocks the image to pieces. His majesty is a great king, for the God of heaven hath given thee the kingdom of Babylon. He hath given thee power and strength and glory above all the kings. Wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of heaven hath God given unto thy hands to rule over them all. My kingdom is a worldwide kingdom, and I am powerful. My glory exceeds that of any other man or king. I rule the world. Nebuchadnezzar, king of all Babylon, thou art this head of gold. The golden head of that huge image I dreamed of represents me? Thee and thy kingdom, your majesty, are represented by the golden head. Gold is the most precious of all metals, and Babylon is the richest of all nations. Yes, I see. Babylon shall fall, O Nebuchadnezzar, and another kingdom shall take its place. An inferior nation, even as silver, is inferior to gold. Babylon fall? It shall come to pass. But why, Daniel? Why? O king, if you and the kings that follow you upon the throne of Babylon would exalt the true God and worship him, Babylon would never fall until the time of the end. But thou, O king, and the kings after thee shall make God their refuge and their strength only when harassed and perplexed. But, Daniel, I recognize and acknowledge that your God is the only living God with power to give thrones and take them away. As long as you reverence and obey the king of kings, your throne is assured. But, O king, those that come after you will forget God, and the kingdom shall be taken away from them and given to another. And that kingdom shall also fall to a kingdom likened unto brass, and it shall bear rule over all the earth. The legs of iron of the image represents yet another kingdom, the fourth. The iron, does it have any special meaning? Iron is strong and hard. It breaketh into pieces all other things. So shall this fourth kingdom rule with an iron hand and break into pieces nations and tongues and peoples. So far, your interpretation, Daniel, of the dream I had is reasonable and will probably come to pass just as you have said. But, Daniel, does it have to be? Does Babylon have to come to an end and the other nations? The Lord God of heaven is just, loving, long-suffering, and a forgiving God. He is anxious that all confess and forsake their sins. If thou, O king, and thy people were to do this, and the kings after thee, keep always the love of God before them, Babylon would never end. I, I think I understand, Daniel. And the toes of the image, you said they were partly iron and partly clay. The kingdom of iron shall be divided into ten kingdoms, even as the legs are divided into ten toes. They shall be partly strong, like iron, and partly weak, like clay. Yes, I see. They shall not cleave together, even as clay cannot be mixed with iron. How, how far in the future is all this, Daniel? Thou, O Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, art the first kingdom, the head of gold, the ten kingdoms of the toes, are the last kingdoms. The last kingdoms? You mean there will be no more kingdoms at all? No, king. The stone cut out of the mountain without hands shall break them into pieces and they shall be no more. Oh, yes, that magic stone. Just what is it, Daniel? 
or who? In the days of the ten kings shall the God of heaven set up his kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. His kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Scribe, princes, all members of my court here present, I, Nebuchadnezzar, great king of Babylon, do command you to bow the knee before Daniel. <laughs> of a truth, Daniel, your God is a God of gods, a Lord of lords, and a revealer of secrets, seeing he has revealed unto thee the secrets of the future. My court may arise. <laughs> Long live Daniel! Wisest of the wise and a revealer of secrets. Long live Daniel, wisest of the wise and a revealer of secrets. Scribe, write upon a scroll and send messengers throughout all Babylon that I, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, do hereby decree that Daniel shall henceforth be ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over the wise men of Babylon. What are we to do? It's all your fault. Mine? You were chief of the wise men, remember? You suggested that we not summon Daniel whenever the king requested our presence. Remember that? Yes, but what has that got to do with what happened? Had we accepted Daniel as one of us and included him in conferences with the king, we could have taken part of the credit for Daniel's telling and interpreting of the king's dream. We would have shared in the gifts and rewards and position given Daniel. Now we have nothing. Daniel is to rule over us. He is next in power to the king himself. Oh. And Daniel's three friends, even they have more position and power than we do. I was chief of the wise men and counselors. Daniel stole that from right under my nose. That proves how wise he is. Oh, it proves we owe Daniel a debt and we're going to pay it. <laughs> Gratitude. Gratitude? Uh, the opposite, revenge. And he'll get it in full measure. How, pray tell? I'll think of a way. Well, if I were you, I wouldn't tangle with Daniel more than I had to. The history of Israel, their deliverance from bondage in Egypt, their conquest of Canaan, and many, many other incidents tend to prove that their God is still living and powerful. What? That God uses his power in Daniel's behalf. <laughs> That's not true. It can't be. If Israel's God is still their God, how is it that Babylon reduced Jerusalem and the other cities of Israel to ashes? I don't hmm? know and I don't care. If I were you and as wise as you claim to be, oh. I would leave Daniel strictly alone. It is true that Jerusalem, all Israel, lies in ruins. It is also true that there are thousands upon thousands of Israelites here in our country as captives. Now, couldn't it be possible that the Israel God raised up Daniel so as to give the thousands of his people here hope for the future and keep alive their faith in him? Oh, oh that's idiotic nonsense. I will have revenge upon Daniel and his three companions. You can be sure of that. <laughs> You have what? I thought of a way to get even with Daniel and at the same time put ourselves back into favor with the king. I warned you, don't forget that to tangle with Daniel is dangerous. He's wise and quick to take advantage of every little opportunity. Uh, but this plan I have is foolproof. Uh, absolutely foolproof. Nothing can go wrong. Yes, perhaps, but I doubt it. At first, I... 
Yes. First, I'll solicit the help of the chief priest of the Babylonian state guard. Together, we'll go before the king, and that, my dear magician, will be the beginning of the end of Daniel. <laughs> continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. D. God promises to deliver me. your day? I survived, got a B in English, and I learned something about prayer. What? That prayer makes you feel less lonely. How's it do that? Well, I have a friend, Ellie. She doesn't believe in God. Her dad says God is a made-up being that people pray to when they're scared. Wow. And she says that anyone who prays to God is just being foolish. So what's that got to do with loneliness? I asked her what she does when she's scared or having a problem. She said, I take care of it myself. I'm the boss of me. I can do whatever I want. Sounds like a determined young lady. Yeah, but who wants to be the boss of themselves? I mean, I make mistakes. I'm human. Would I really want to follow me through life, depending on me to figure everything out? I know me. I'm dumb. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. I think you're a pretty smart kid. Well... Let's just say I'm smart enough not to put me in charge of me. I want someone who knows more than I do, helping me make decisions and showing me what to do. Trusting in me for everything would be kind of lonely. Now I get it. 
a life without God would be a lonely life, right? Yeah. Now, when I have a problem, I can pray to my friend Jesus. Get it? Got it. So if someone feels lonely, they can pray and God will be right there, ready to be a friend. Then, hello friend, goodbye loneliness. Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Don't you love a good mystery that just needs to be figured out? Sammy and the shoebox kids do. When Sammy slammed a long fly ball right through the window of old Mr. Chambers' house, he found more than he bargained for. Sammy is sure there's something strange about Mr. Chambers' house and about Mr. Chambers. Everyone knows he's a mean old man, but could everyone be wrong? Chapter 1. The Confusing Window Sammy blocked his eyes from the setting sun as he waited for Maria to pitch. She fired up her arm and released the ball. Sammy watched it sail right past Chris. Strike two, Maria yelled. What do you mean strike, Chris asked. That ball was way high. Was not, Maria argued. You're just blind. Am not, Chris said. Come on, you guys, Willie said. He was the umpire. Quit fighting. It was a strike. Maria sneered at her brother. Then she returned to the pitcher's mound for another pitch. The shoebox kids had met after school for a softball game. Maria, Chris, Sammy, and Dee Dee all attended the Christian school in town. Willie and Jenny went to the local public school a few blocks away. Since school had recently begun again for the year, they hadn't seen as much of each other as they had during the summer, so they tried to get together at least once a week to play ball or just hang out. Chris hit the sweatshirt, marking home plate with his bat. I'm waiting, he said to Maria impatiently. Maria whirled her arm around and let the ball go. Crack, went Chris's bat as it connected with the ball. Up, up, the ball soared, right toward Mr. Chambers' house. Dee Dee ran sideways toward the front porch. She followed the ball with her eyes, put out her mitt, and plop, the ball landed right in it. You're out, Chris, Willie called. Dee Dee threw the ball into Maria. Hey, she yelled to all of them, be careful. The ball almost went onto old Mr. Chambers' porch. There's no telling what he'll do if he hears a ball hit his house. He'd probably call the police, Sammy said. I overheard a boy at school say Mr. Chambers yelled at him one time, Jenny said. I'd believe it, Maria agreed. He's really mean. Mr. Chambers was an elderly man who lived alone in the old house next to the vacant lot they used as a ball field. It was a huge house, with dormers sticking out on one side. There was even a round tower in one corner, and the many windows gave the appearance of eyes, as if the house were watching what went on nearby. Most kids wouldn't go near Mr. Chambers' house. They were too scared of him. Though hardly anyone ever saw Mr. Chambers, scary stories about him had been passed on from older kids to younger ones for years. As Chris walked away from home plate, he noticed two older boys looking at them. They were pointing and laughing. Who are they? Chris asked the others. They all turned and looked. Willie and Jenny looked at each other. They're new at school, Jenny answered. They're twins and in the sixth grade. Their names are Larry and Doug, and they're really mean. They made fun of Willie for being in a wheelchair. 
The shoebox kids looked back over at the twins. Come on, Sammy said. Ignore them. Anyway, I'm up next. Sammy swung his bat a few times and then set his eyes on Maria's arm. She pitched the ball. Just as Sammy started to swing, one of the twins yelled, Miss Batter-Batter! Miss Batter-Batter! Sammy missed the ball. I don't think any of you can play baseball, the twin yelled. Sammy and the rest of the kids stopped and stared at the boys. Sammy did miss the ball once in a while, but he knew he was a good baseball player. So were all the shoebox kids. It still made him feel bad that someone was making fun of him. Leave us alone, Maria yelled. Ooh, we're scared. The boys laughed. They slapped each other on the back and walked on down the street. Come on, let's play, Sammy said. He hit the ground angrily with his bat. Maria threw the ball. Sammy swung the bat extra hard. When he hit the ball, it shot off like a rocket. It flew over Maria's head and on past Didi, right into Mr. Chambers' open window. The kids froze. They all turned to Sammy. You gotta go get it, Chris said. Yeah, Jenny said. My dad just bought that ball for me when I spent the weekend with him. Sammy gulped. You want me to go in there, he asked. Either that, or you've got to ask old Mr. Chambers to get it for you, Maria said. Sammy didn't like that idea at all. Come on, it'll be easy, Maria said. You can stand on Willie's wheelchair and climb right in. You'll be out in a jiffy. Sammy and Willie went across the field to the window the ball had disappeared through. Willie shifted himself to the side. While Chris and Maria steadied the chair, Jenny and Dee Dee kept watch. Sammy stepped up onto the chair and grabbed the wood around the window. Then he pulled himself onto the windowsill. The kids looked around nervously. If anyone saw them, they'd be in really big trouble. Sammy was leaning in Mr. Chambers' kitchen window. The kitchen was a simple room with just a table in the center and a refrigerator along the side wall. A tall hutch stood in one corner. Sammy looked slowly along the floor next to the walls, thinking the ball might have stopped there when it hit the wall. Suddenly, Sammy froze. He hadn't found the ball, but he saw something else. Halfway along the back wall, the flower pattern in the wallpaper changed. Looking carefully at the seam, Sammy could tell the patterns didn't match. What's taking you so long? Chris hissed. Find the ball and get out of there. Yeah, okay, Sammy said. He looked around the kitchen again, but didn't see the ball anywhere. Finally, he looked down into the kitchen sink right underneath him. There was the ball sitting in the drain. I've got it, Sammy whispered. As he turned around, he noticed something else strange. Hey, there's something really weird here. See that little round window next to this window? Everyone turned to look at a small window about five feet away. Yeah, so what, Chris asked. Just get out of there. Sammy slid off the windowsill and back onto Willie's chair. Well, he said, that round window isn't in the kitchen. It's a solid wall the whole way to the back wall, and there can't be another room because the back wall doesn't have a door or opening. Just then, Jenny yelled, Mr. Chambers is at the upstairs window. He's seen us. Let's get out of here, Sammy said as he stepped back onto Willie's chair and hopped to the ground. As the others took off running, Sammy handed Willie the ball and spun his wheelchair around. They raced across the field as fast as they could go. The friends met up together at the big oak tree up the street. That was close, Maria said. Too close, Chris and Dee said at the same time. He just looked at us, Jenny said. Boy, is he ever strange, Willie said. Well, he's not all that strange, Sammy said. There's something strange about his house, too. The story 
you have heard today is a chapter of the Shoebox Kids, Book 9, The Secret of the Hidden Room, written by Nancy Speck, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.